Okay, good morning, everybody. This is Tony Fleming. This is our 7 a.m. mindset call. We do this call every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and today is Monday. Monday, the week of Christmas. This is December, what, 20th, I think? 2021. So so those that are listening, like in uh, 2045, a 2060, you know, you stumbled across this somewhere because everything you do now out on the net is being saved somewhere. So somebody in 2060, you know, flying around in your, um, uh, whatever those things are, the Jetson-type cars in the air, <laughs> you'll be listening to this. You might hear it somewhere like, it's old stuff here. Let me see what this guy's talking about. Uh, so... <laughs> Just wanted to date it so that you'll know uh, that it is 2021. Um, never could imagine 2021 in the 1900s, um, but we're here. So, and uh, we do this call every you know Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We talk about different things on this call. Anything from uh, mindset to mental toughness to success to to failure to affirmations. Uh, we feel like everything we talk about here uh, can help you with life. It can help you with your job. It can help you with your business because it's about your thought process. It's about your uh, paradigm, which is everything that you've heard all your life, you know, a combination of everything that you've heard, everything you've watched, everything you've been around. Uh, it creates uh, these thoughts in your mind, and most of us are operating and walking around on automatic. We don't even realize that we just do things because we have heard it so many times, whether right or wrong, whether good or bad. We've heard it so many times. That's why when you have somebody come from a awful environment, a lot of stuff is wrong and a lot of stuff is bad, but they heard it so many times that they just fall into automatic. And then somebody who comes from a different type neighborhood, they heard that all the time, and that's how we get programmed, Um, whether good or bad. It's from hearing things over and over and over. You know, Shad uh, talked about that when we played that clip. That's my man, Shad. I mean, he broke down those points in, uh, what, eight minutes? It's six different points that really, really explains why we are and who we are from our environment and our thoughts. And uh, in order for that to change, you have to realize that you need to change. You have to realize that some of those things are buried deep inside of us. Because I hear people all the time, a lot of y'all on this call say that, you know, well, I didn't, I'm, I'm not that. I didn't hear that. I'm not a part of that. I mean, well, it's kind of hard to, to say that because if you're in that environment of people like that, now you're saying that all the people you've been around, in that environment, which was a poor or middle-class environment. It wasn't a wealthy one, super wealthy. So you're saying that all those people you've been around or everything that you watched, everything you heard, was not, uh, you know, on that middle-class or poor mentality. So you'll be, so what you're saying is that, you know, you got a bunch of people around you, but the few people that you kind of hang around all of None of them act that way. None of them talk that way. Boy, you have to really, you have to really be hitting the numbers on that one. That'll be like, I mean, you can hit the numbers every night 
if you're doing that because you can't help but hear those things in those type environments. Just like in a wealthy, a rich environment, like you know, let's say you're in a, um, a private club, a millionaire, a billionaire private club. It's certain things you're just not going to hear in there. That, that's why it's private, and that's why it costs so much money to get in there because the people that come in there will not say certain things. You know, they ain't going to have Pookie in there saying, well, you know, uh, how you going to do that? Well, how that going to happen? No, they, Pookie can't get in there, even if he has the money. You know, some people get the money. No, no, no. You don't have, you don't have the pedigree. You don't, they got to research a lot of stuff about you, buddy. You can you can hit the lotto or have the money, or you can be a dope boy and have the money. You're still not getting in there. Because they need to know where you came from and what your thought pattern is. They don't need you sitting at the table. And they also, you know, checking the, the people who work there. They want to make sure that you, you know, you might come from a bad place, but they still want to make sure that you're not in there doing some stuff that you shouldn't be doing. That's that's environment, folks, and that's how we get groomed, trained, and programmed. And on here we talk about those things because that is what's going to help you in your business. It's going to help you in your life. It's going to help you in everything. And everything that you do is your thoughts. And we got to start changing those and shifting that paradigm. Um. All right, so we got a replay number also with 712-432-1085 and uh, same PIN code, which is 7833577-POUND. But we, po- we post these calls on the podcast platform. So if you stumble across this, which I saw last year that we, I don't know if I can I'll say stumble, but we have, you know, 12 different countries where people listen. So, and I'm, I'm assuming they stumbled or they went out there looking for, uh, mental toughness, a mindset, and they pulled this up. And so, you know, again, let me emphasize: this is a conference call. It's not a podcast. But in 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 uh, 2022, you will hear a you will hear a podcast. I mean, you won't, you won't stop hearing these because I will always be doing these calls and posting it. But it will be a podcast also uh, that I will be doing also. So, um, get ready. Also. Uh, everybody, you know, jump on Clubhouse. Get invited to Clubhouse. Figure out how to get on Clubhouse because I want to eventually in in uh, 2022 move the book club to Clubhouse. So if y'all don't know what Clubhouse is, get an invitation from somebody. I know you can do the Android phone now, and you could do the iPhone. At first you couldn't do that, the uh, the Sam, I mean the sad song. So if y'all, all y'all got them sad songs, you now can uh, use it on uh, Clubhouse. And some of y'all who don't know what Clubhouse is, you know, ask somebody to invite you because uh, I think that's the only way you can get on Clubhouse is have somebody invite you. And uh, that's a great platform because, um, you know, you can have, you know, we can have different group times and different things that we can do. And then you have other people kind of peeking in that's not a part of us that might hear something that could help also. So make sure that you're on Clubhouse on 2022. <laughs> well, uh, uh, so it's only iPhone and phones, right? It's not any other phone that somebody might use. Like uh, they don't 
still they don't still use the flip phones, do they? <laughs> I don't know. They might. All right, let's get started, folks. But I got to do this first. Bartan! What is your profession? somebody we're gonna get slaughtered I, I brought all these people you know dang that's all y'all got <laughs> he had that little smirk on his face he said man look what you do uh, i'm a farmer what you do i work <laughs> i work uh in the bar <laughs> what you do <laughs> he started naming after them guys that do y'all he said, man, he, he was thinking in his mind, y'all fake soldiers. I don't care how many of y'all got. You, you can have 5,000 of y'all, y'all fake soldiers. He asked them, he asked that 300, what do you do? Man, we killers. We soldiers. <laughs> we come into war to fight. That's what we do. We fight. He's like, man, our 300 to take on all y'all. <laughs> all you farmers will start running. Man, that's the scene there, buddy. All right, so we got Mr. Fields on. I hope he he gonna stay on mute. Well, we want to play the rest of the that uh, call number seven today because uh, we stopped on interview number seven. So if y'all got questions for him, text them to me. Uh, I know he's gonna have a few things at the end. So some of y'all can be on late today because. I know y'all not working today. Y'all off, and I saw the post on on uh, social media. I'm getting paid, and I'm off for the rest of the year. I'm like, wow, okay. I'm getting paid, and I'm off for the rest of the year, and all the next year too. <laughs> so let me play this, and then we're gonna come to Mr. Lewis Fields and uh, Mr. Lewis. If you need to interrupt anything, just text me, and I'll stop it. If you want to say something, or you can just hold those thoughts to the end. All right, here we go. We're gonna, this is going to pick up on the last, because uh, we played part seven, but we stopped it in the middle. And then we're going to pick up from that. You remember when we talked about, uh, we talked about this a couple of times, that I felt like your switch was turned when you went to prison, and you said, well, maybe, but my switch could have been turned even if I didn't kill anybody or didn't go to prison, it could have happened some at, at some other point. So how does a... This per- call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. 
You say it sounds like you said they got to hit rock bottom almost, but is that the only way? I mean, how does a person switch get turned on, or, or or you know, you hit the switch like you said? You have one minute remaining. You have to have no more room to hide behind the false identity. That is, to me, that is the definition of rock bottom. The rock because in every life, everybody faking. You know, you faking. You got all this this stuff in front of you, mm-hmm. this mask that you wear. And you keep putting on masks, trying new masks, trying to hide your ugly, trying to hide the funk, trying to, you know, hide whatever your insecurities are. When you become completely dissatisfied with that, you say, man, I got to live a better life. I got this ain't good enough. That's what, when, it, when what you're doing becomes not good enough, then you go on the pursuit of finding out that you are good enough. That's the next step. That when you find out that what you're doing ain't good enough, it's because it ain't been you. It's been everybody else. It's been, you've been stealing from everybody. You've been lazy. You've been stealing from everybody else, trying to apply it to you for whatever the reason is in your life. And when you become okay with you, when you literally start loving yourself and you literally start understanding that you have purpose, purpose is different. Thank you for using GTL. Yeah, so that, that, that definitive purpose is it's built up in your identity. Because it's like the books and all that stuff, that's the role I took due to the fact what my purpose is. Everybody ain't going to have my purpose. They don't need all the books. You got people who might not need all them books. They, listen, you can find your purpose and only read it at a, at a, at a 10th grade level. You know, that, your, the 10th grade, your, read, your, your literacy has nothing to do with you finding your purpose and your identity. Uh, now, it can help you maximize it. It's like what I love when uh, Earl Nightingale talks about an education. Say you don't need an education to be able to make money or be successful making money. A lot of it, but to fully maximize and understanding and go, you know, to the full potential, you need some sort of education. Um, and that's the same, same thing with your life. It will be certain it's levels to everything. It's certain levels. So identity is so important, and that rock bottom is is different for every person. It's different for every person. You have people that will get shot. You have people that will lose their limbs, uh, and they continue on the path. I was put in the prison, like I tell you. It took years in prison to begin the journey. It, it took me going to a, a super max, a, a maximum institution, uh, because that's how I got detoxed. That was the beauty in the sanction. The sanction worked because I wasn't able to get the same things that I was usually getting. Was- this call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. The distraction. So as some people say the hole is cruel and unusual, and in some circumstances there is a, 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 an abuse of the sanction in certain situations. I can't speak for that because that wasn't my personal experience. But I understand that does excuse uh, that does uh exist. Because for me, if I was given a choice, what I believe is that when you first get to prison, that you shouldn't have TVs and radios and things of that nature. I think that they should take you through the detox right off the rip. And if nothing else, because this is the thing, it don't mean that you will be changed on the inside, but they can force you into a regiment. Those are the things that can be formed. They can force you into a regimen of going to sleep, waking up, uh, some sort of education, some sort of job assignment, minus all that stuff coming in. It don't have to be solitary confinement because, you know, you have work camps like that. They force you into a regimen. 
and I believe that everybody should be forced into that regimen. Then given access to things. Uh, because mm-hmm. habits, we lack habits. Just the habit of living a conventional, wake up in the morning, have a response, have some sorts of responsibilities that you got to do, whether you want to do them or not, whether they tie to your identity or not. Having to go to sleep so you can wake up and do fulfill your responsibility is something that the majority of us in prison never have had to do. So just giving somebody that might be the first spark in throwing a switch. And uh, that's something I know that can be done. So, you know, but so, I mean, it's mixed opinions. So prison wasn't really your switch. You're saying that the, the security lockdown, that, that prison that you went to is like a supermax was your road to Damascus. It wasn't just because you could have been in one prison for a while and never got that if you didn't go to that lockdown to the security unit or whatever. That's what... Was that your road to Damascus? Was it the guy who died, or was it Miss Money? Which was it? One? Which one was it? It, it is. It's the process. It was. It take all that. It took everything. It took. It took every moment. Uh, it took multiple burning bushes. I, I call them burning bushes. It took multiple burning bushes to show me the path because I, I'm walking. I'm trying to figure this thing out. I'm fearing trembling, and. I would see a burning bush along the path. And the things that, that stick out to me in the, uh, the events in my life that I've shared with you have represented burning bushes. And, you know, for Moses, it was one burning bush that's spoken of. But I'm sure over the course of his life, if we get more detail, it was numerous things that told him to go or not to go, to do or not to do. This is the way. You need to look more into this. Because uh, that's what the burning bush signifies. It signifies something, an outline, something that's different a bush that's not being consumed. Um, so it was like, a, and that's why I say it's not prison. It was me. That's a, it's, in the beginning, in the beginning of the process, we think environment is everything. Uh, I was dependent upon environment. It's the reason why. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. Twelve years ago, I was dependent upon my environment to uh, help me to continue to be the, uh, according, uh, I was dependent upon my environment to assist me in sticking along uh, what I had in plans for my life. Remember I was telling you I wanted to follow the rules because I understood it was easier to get along if you follow the rules and uh, you get more benefits and whatnot. That's one level. I didn't want to do wrong for the sake of not doing wrong. So I wanted to be in an environment where it was less temptation to do wrong because of where I was at in my process. Equivalent of that is this. You got a weakness for donuts. So what you do is you don't repair, drive by the bakery. You tell everybody in the house we can't have no sweets in the house. Now, the decision to eat the donut is still your decision, but where you at in your process, the closer the donut is, the more likely you're going to eat it because right now you have not built up the strength within yourself to be able to come up with a system and develop a mindset that you can be in a room full of donuts and not eat the donut because you have decided that the donut is not good for you. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So according to the process, you'll get built up to the point where you will create the environment because you understand it's your decision-making. It's your choice. It's, it's you. But... As an infant, as you're growing up and you develop it, as you're going through your process, you need an environment to help you. You absolutely do. It's the reason like children right now. You got kids. 
well, prior to the COVID, going to school. They want to go to school. This is your normal, average, functioning kid, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, want to kick it with their friends and, you know, pass a note to a little girl you like, and you want to just live life and do regular stuff. But the environment and climate that you're sending them into is like a prison where he's being searched, it's guns, people fighting, it's gangs pressuring him to do this or do that. Um, if you don't have this type of color on, you ain't that. So the environment is forcing this kid into this traumatic experience, taking away that which he really is. It's limiting his identity. That is what trauma is about. It attacks the identity. It attacks who you think you are. Because now you get stuck in certain events in time. You're not even really dealing with reality. That's the thing about trauma. Um, that's the reason why everybody got family members. That something happened to them, and it just drives them crazy. You know, you'll see, like, I don't know what's wrong with auntie. She just get crazy and go off the top. She's still stuck in an event that might have happened 40 years ago. That's what, It gets you stuck in this event. You, you still feel all these real emotions from this event, which is not reality anymore. And as you mature, you have to understand and come to grips with you need to disconnect from events. That is the getting up too high, getting down too low, well, even if it's a good event. You know, you got people that are thinking of marriage because the first two years was good, but for the last 18 years, it's been horrible. You know, ain't nothing good about it. You know, you're getting beat, disrespected, they're stealing the money, they're lying, they, they, it, it's all horrible. But you stuck in the event where I remember when we first got together, but you ain't dealing with the reality of life. Um, so that could have happened anywhere. It just so happened this was my path. This was the path due to the horrible decision I made to live the lifestyle I lived, which worked death, which led to me taking a man's life. This was the path I had to take. This was the path that uh, it worked for me. And to look back, and this is what Books of Bruises is about, when I realized, because in my mind, there was a time when I thought, okay, your destiny is already set, and, you know, it wasn't nothing I could have done. I was just a horrible person at that time, and he lost his life. No, that's bullshit. My crime was 100% preventable. My, that man did not have to lose his life. And through literacy and dealing with my trauma, those two things, that man did not have to lose his life. And now that I know that, and I see that if I could have had an intervention, it would have prevented what would happen, I'm all about intervention and prevention. That is my thing. That's something I learned uh, through the 12 steps about prevention, about when you see something coming, you learn how this thing works, the negative thing, you put it into play a system to prevent getting to that point. Um, I know it's children out there that are not monsters. Human beings are not monsters. Like I said, when we label ourselves as something different than what we are, we are human beings. They are making decisions right now based upon faulty information. They are making decisions right now based upon ignorance. And books of bruises intervene in their life and gives them awareness. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. We love you because we're giving you learning to overcome the violence in your life, you know, because we, we don't understand it's an everyday thing that these books are a gateway. They, they represent windows, doors, and mirrors. Uh, you can start getting some lingo. You can start seeing somebody going through something that you're going through. Um, it's strength in a group. I've learned that through um, doing AANA, through taking other programs. And that's how I got built. It's strength in the group. It's strength when somebody can share something and you can relate to it. Like, damn, man, I done felt something like that. It wasn't exactly like that. 
But I'm glad, I'm glad you shared that with me because I see that, you know, we can make it through this thing. I'm not the only one out here by myself. I'm part of the collective. To get trauma takes you to this small place all by yourself. Being illiterate takes you to a small place all by yourself because you're not part of the whole. Because when people start talking, you don't even know what's going on. So you either front or you stay away. Trauma and literacy. Handling trauma, improving literacy, and improving trauma techniques so kids can build up resiliency to understand they can overcome environments. Kids are living in horrible situations. And they're kids, so of course they're illiterate. They don't even know a lot. Think about that. You're talking about an eight-year-old that's in these horrible environments, six-year-olds, five-year-olds, 13-year-olds. They're children, and they are in these terrible situations, and we must intervene. It is a necessity in society that we find ways we develop system cycles and, and business models to intervene in these children's lives to prevent them from being on the, on the news. And I'm talking about, oh, my God, them kids are so crazy out there. I don't even drive down that street no more. What are we talking about? Why not intervene on that street? You know, and that's what Books and Bruises is about. It's the beginning of an intervention. And there are other plans and other steps for that because I know it takes more than just a book one day. But to have somebody talk about it and have somebody say, man, we care about you. We know you're going through some stuff. You know, because as a child, you basically just told to, you know, shut up and do what everybody else say do. You, at the, you become a slave. Do what the teachers say do. When you hear, you do what I say do. When you're down there, you do what they say do. You don't have a voice. Um, mm-hmm. You just take in the information and whatever said to you, that's what you right. believe. That's what we talk about. Um, that stuff get buried deep down inside of you, and you don't even know it's still there because people go exactly. on in their life and they get a degree and they get a you know and they think that stuff ain't there. It's still there. Yeah. Why yeah. do I think like that? That's the question. The why. The why. The why. Lewis, why do you think like that? Why is every relationship a threat? Why? 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 And when you start breaking down the why, you start realizing it's tied to events. And you realize these events, that ain't my stuff. I read a book by Dr. Maria Nimitz called, uh, I think it's The Energy of Money. And it sounds slow. It might sound stupid to some. But I'll tell you where I was at. Because I read it in a book and because in, the, in, the, in my process I was looking for it, this was after I had saw Robin Hill, and learned about the PTSD, and I was reading psychology, and I was going back. I was doing the dope for dopes. So I was speaking to the kids and stuff, um, and, and it was bringing out my past. It was bringing out some stuff in me that I didn't know. And she was talking. She was talking about from the standpoint of money, about how you feel about money and how it's just energy. And she said you get that from your past experiences and how your parents or grandparents handled money and how they spoke in terms of money and how money affected you as a child through the eyes of the adults in your life. And she said, those are events and you can disconnect from those events. That is not true. I'm talking about, man, I've cried for about three days. You have one minute remaining. I equate it to the... To, to, the identity I had taken as an abuser is seeing abuse all the time growing up and seeing violence all the time growing up. Saying, oh, I'm an angry person, I'm a violent person. And by nature, Mr. Actually, I'm not very angry nor violent. Pretty much, actually, I'm very docile. I'm not, but that was the false identity I had taken on in this fight or flight. You know, this John T. Rambo, you know. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored.
got to be on point. I got to get them first. I'm always looking, you know, where well, he might try to do this to me. And you, and it's, it's madness. It drives you mad in your mind. So this is something I done had since I was four or five. This, I've been saying this stuff since I was four or five, six years old. Oh, and it freed me. It freed me. Oh. You know that thing about why, you know, like I told you, when I start asking people why, it really irritates them. And that, and that's Thank the only you for thing. using GTL. <clears throat> you know, when I was okay. saying why, 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 and I always ask that question, why am I thinking this way and why, okay, because of this, and then why am I because of that, then why because of that. And then it leads me back to really the answer. But if you start doing that with people, you know, they, especially ones who, who have lower self-esteem but don't want to admit it and don't have it, they say they don't have it, that comes out. When you start asking that, well, if I start asking you, Lewis, you know, well, why you do that and, and why you think you did that and why, if you're not well-read and know about yourself, boy, you, you feel like the, the light is shining on you in the police department. You've been interrogated. And that's not the case. That's, we're trying to get to the, the bottom of this. You know what I'm saying, and that's what—that's the goal. I would—I would assume, and that's. But if a person can't do that, I don't think they can ever change. Right. It's—it's it's part. You talk about responsibility now. Responsibility mm-hmm. for your. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. got a book uh, called "Chaos of Community." From chaos to community of. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility, and may be recorded and monitored. We go from here, from community to chaos, something like that. And he talks about decision. I use that in my class. He talks about freedom and decision going hand in hand. And then when you make a decision that you are required to be able to answer for that decision, this is what necessitates freedom. This is how freedom works. So when somebody comes and asks you, Mr. Fields, why did you do that? Oh, you in my business. I don't want to buy my business. My business. You ain't got to yes, you do, because you are part of the collective. This decision has a ripple effect. This decision has an influence and effect on many people. You have to answer for your decisions. This is how we have freedom. This is how a person is able to move about free. You know, um, and this goes to responsibility. I am in no way, shape, or fashion blaming anybody for the choice I made to commit the crimes I did and to live the lifestyle I, I did. I'm in no way blaming anybody, placing blame, throwing nobody under the bus, saying it's nobody's fault. Now, people can only do as good as they know. We know mm-hmm. that. We all say that. But we stop right there because that's a bullshit cop-out. You know, that's an alibi for inactivity. When I look back and say, well, I was a teenager, and that's all I knew I did, what I, you know, that's all I knew to do. Okay, and, and we wait on the on the next foot to drop. You know, okay, and what's the next step? You knew it that, so you just recognized that's the best you that was the best thinking I had was the thinking I exercised right there. That was the pinnacle of my thinking and my ability to reason and rationally get through conflict. And it took a man's life. And I see that and say that's wrong, and I'm so sorry for it. I, I, I wish it wouldn't have happened. Okay, what's the next step? So the next step should be. Since I know I was stupid, that's why I did that, because I couldn't think. I must improve my thinking. That's responsibility. Responsibility is not me saying I'm sorry a thousand times. Responsibility is me saying never again. Mm-hmm. Like the Jews say about the Holocaust, never again. It won't be like that again. So this is the reason why I go so hard in the books. This is the reason why, for me, this is my path. 
because it was about my thinking. I know how stupid I was. I don't ever want to be ignorant and stupid. I don't ever want to be able to be in an environment or a situation and not know how to navigate my way out of it. I I pride myself now on being a critical thinker, on being a problem solver, because that was my issue, on being able to handle conflict, on, be, on not having to have somebody do something I don't like and say, I'm just going to take it. No, no, no. Let me address it. Let me address it first with myself. Let me use my emotional intelligence to gauge where this person is at, how it should be handled. And at the right time, and this is what happens when you're at the right time, then you broach the subject with the person, excuse me, brother, uh, can we speak? You know, back maybe it was Tuesday when this happened, this is how I felt. You know, and that's how I feel does not necessarily make it the truth, but this is how I felt. I wanted to let you know that's how I felt due to the fact that I felt as though we were at this place in our relationship, lines and skills. That is maturity. That's the stuff people don't want to talk about. Man, I ain't going to mess stuff, man. Me and my, my friend was talking about relationship. We use the word relationship with two dudes. <laughs> if they're at a certain level, they think, they're like, oh, man, I ain't in no relationship, man. That's my nigga. That's my dude. I ain't yeah. in no You are, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> but even that, you know, we have to we have to get out of the same mentality. So, like, they say, well, I did as good as I could do. Okay, but you know that wasn't good enough now. So responsibility necessitates that you learn to do better because if you don't learn to do better, that means you are complicit with the ripple effect of that. You can't even get past that. You know, how can, you can't even forgive yourself, and that's why people live in so much shame. It's because, well, I know I did wrong by them, but I did the best I could. If you stick it there, you live in shame. If you say, but you know what? This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. Uh, when I was talking to the dope adults, I'm going to share this quick story with you. But, uh, speaking to the kids, uh, I did my presentation, and this kid, and after the presentation, the presentation would be like, I think it was like, we would do like eight, ten minute presentation about ourselves, why we're in there and whatnot, our upbringing, uh, how it affected us and, you know, how how our change is happening and whatnot. So then we break into groups, and the kids would sit in certain groups. It would be, we would have like two or three presenters in a group, and the kids would sit in the groups with us that would just, you know, uh, we just spoke to. So it was this kid, and you talking about energy. This kid was shaking. His leg was shaking because I was thinking, like, I don't know what he's going to do. I hope he don't hit me. This young white, young, young white male. I'm not going to say his name. And he was just shaking, man. And before the group even started, he turned to me and he was like, man, I heard your thing. How do I stop being mad? And he had tears in his eyes. And I couldn't tell him. I couldn't tell him. I couldn't tell him how to stop being angry. I couldn't tell him how to stop being mad. He was going, he had just got out of juvenile. Him and his stepfather got in a fight, man, put him in jail. And this kid, I'm talking about, I looked in his eyes, in the same eyes I had when I told my mother I'm going crazy uh, the summer before uh, I took that man's life. And I couldn't give him the answer. And that shook me because I realized you ain't ready to do this yet. You ain't ready to do this yet. This people's lives. And if you ain't got the answers, you need to stand down. Uh, and it made, that's when I started really digging into the psychology and why with myself. If I can figure out why for myself, 
I can get an answer to others because I wasn't I, I wasn't ready. I was I, and I failed. Him. But he had a lot of stuff going on, and uh, I know how he felt. That's the thing. See, knowing how somebody feels, oh, I know how that feels. I know how that feels. But do you got the answer? Can you lead him out like Harriet? Harriet knew it was like to be a slave. That's why she went back and found the path, and she could lead others on the path. I couldn't lead him out. So mm-hmm. that's what building is about. When I find now, let me ask you this, right question, this question. When you, were, when, that, when you got over to the camp and the HOPE program was done, did it ever start back? Did you ever participate in it, or you just wind up leaving the camp, coming back to where you are? Um, whatever happened there? Oh, this call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. So I participated in everything I could participate in. Uh, the Hope Center was the name of the center. In that center is where the, the outside guests would mainly come and uh, do their programming. There was a janitorial program I was in up there where uh, I learned janitorial and bacteriology. I learned the importance of that, the first line of defense, caring about others, increase the human life. I was able to uh, organize a couple guys, and we would have schedules and things, leadership. Um, I worked in the kitchen for Airmark. Um, I would tutor serve safe for them and help with their in-the-work program, which is a program about the production of food. I took uh, Brandon Kroskowski's. Uh, Edwin's Leadership Academy, his program there. That's a program on the street. That's that's the brother that allowed me to use his bakery this past right. Saturday to pass out them books to the kids. Right. He has a uh, version of that program within the institution. I took. I was able to take that program, and it taught me. Like I said, that's what got my mind working differently. My mind started paying attention to details and the outcomes of things because in a recipe, everything matters. But the process. Could you have served the rest of your time there? Could you still be over there now? Yeah, I could have been. I could have been. Uh, the camp, they they did some some remodeling. They remodeled. I mean, not some. They did. They fixed the the roof. Uh, the roofs on the dorms was leaking, so they had to clear out a whole dorm to move people. So, you know, they made a decision based upon what programming you were in. Um. I could have stayed out there. I chose to come in here because I had a plan. I had a plan. I needed time to continue to study and to read. This is why, like I said, I'm staying up all night studying and reading and developing my program and working on myself. The camp was a beautiful place in a, in that season where I was always active. Like I said, I'm pulling 16-hour days in jail, you know, all day, working active, going to this program and that program, working over here, doing this, helping over here, volunteering over there. And... That helped build up my uh, work habit, you know, and gave me a lot of great experience. It was a season for that. The camp necessitates that you're busy, even if you're busy. Like it's almost like working for somebody. I decided to be an entrepreneur. I said I'm gonna work on myself and, and do my and do me. Uh, so I I came over here and developed myself, my ideologies more, and that's where I developed finally builders. Um, from Curse to Cure, Solutions for Health and Safety, and Books of Bruises. was all developed on this because I needed time. There's only so much time in a day. So if I'm programming for eight hours, you know, when do I have time to really put in the full work I need to be able to put in that when somebody asks me how do I stop being angry now, I can answer. 
when and it's in me. I don't need cue cards. I don't need this. That I that this is uh, it's me. The understanding of these things are inside of me because it's it is my identity. I freed myself, so now I can aid others in being free. And that took time, so I needed the time. I needed to be able to come over here and read and study and uh, develop. So I could have still been over there. I wanted to go back. I was going to go back over there. Now I'm glad I didn't. I mean, I hope the brothers over there are right now. You know, they got the COVID over there now. They didn't have it over oh, there before. Our institution was. Huh? I didn't this know that. call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. For reasons, I was itching to try to get back out there this year, and it just didn't work out. It was like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Then the COVID hit. Then even when the COVID hit, we didn't have COVID in our institution. So I still wanted to get out there, but it's like, well, wait a minute, we ain't doing too many moves. And now they got the COVID out there pretty bad. You know, they, uh, you know, so. Well, I know so they that. got it on, on lockdown or something. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're not even going to child. They're getting bag lunches. They got to, you know, segregated, wow. quarantine. Um, they had to take some brothers to the hospital and whatnot, but uh, yeah, they got it over there now. It's the hit oh. on that side. So, so when I talk about the camp, you talking about like it's basically just another smaller institution that's across the parking lot. Oh, right. But 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 is it more? Is it a lower level? Like you know, like where? Oh you, yeah, that's yeah, that's re, that's called the reintegration center, the Grafton reintegration center. Much lower level. Um. It is where you go prepared to go home. It is everything is about workforce development. Mm-hmm. Um, you're dealing with more people from the street coming in due to the fact that you they prepare you to go home, and that's what happened. I went out there, my mind got switched off from this jail stuff and got switched on to real stuff in the streets to reality. Uh, and it was sad. The guy, the guy that, that you met over there that left. You say he's at home. He's been at home three years now. Was he? Oh yeah, they all at home. It's, it's quite a few. Everybody at home. Yeah. I'm saying, uh, but was he brought there in order for him to prepare himself to leave? I mean, was he in, in yeah. another prison for how long? Was he in prison? The guy that you that mentored you kind of. Uh, well, it's been quite a few of them. So. You have one minute remaining. One brother who told me about the Hope Center. He had been locked up for like 30 years. Um, and he went home. That, yeah, he went home. Wow. Uh, he's doing well out there. Uh, he's been out now over three years, going on four years now. He's doing what is well. he doing? Is he working? He has a business? Or what he, is he doing? He's working. Um, um, getting his own. Last I talked to him, was working on getting his own organization. Got his own house. Got his bought a second car. Yeah, he's doing well. Yeah. Doing wow. Well. Uh, prison better prepares you now for society and. I feel like this gives you the opportunity to better prepare, you know, as you go to those different levels because you've got to get it. You can't leave prison from a level four or level five, that high-level security, because you're not ready. Mentally, you're crazy. You, you, there's no way you can function in society. I can't see it happening. So as you go down these levels, these levels mean something. As you get to be a level one or a level two because it prepares you better for the reintegration process. Thank you for using GTL. Yeah. Hey Lou, I'm gonna stop right there with the recording. Uh, with the recording. So if you live, are you are you on now? Can you, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sound like you're on uh, the speakerphone though. If you're on speakerphone, you come off. <laughs> I don't know if you are or not. That could be that doggone. Okay. Sad song. Uh, 
Say it again. You hear me? Yeah. All, All right. right. So um, uh, since I have you, I wanted to stop that, and then we can pick it up some other time, or you can play it back at the end of the you know at the end of the call before you leave. But because I got three questions that came in, and I know you probably got some thoughts and stuff. I can tell you this though, I've listened to that uh, that number seven probably three times. Uh, that number seven recording there because we got about four more. But that's the first time I heard you kind of get emotional when you said you couldn't answer that guy's question because you paused for a minute. It was, like, it was almost like it got it got to you that you couldn't answer. You know how can he stop from being mad? I didn't. I didn't hear that. Was that? Did I pick that up correctly? Did you like get emotional on that one? Yeah, because um, the majority, the majority of people, you know, everybody want to help somebody say the word. Everybody got to, you know, they sit in the kitchen talking about, oh, you know, I want, I want to do this for the kids. I want to help somebody. And then, you know, you jump out there and think it's easy. You know, it's, it's a hard grind um, when you entwine yourself in somebody else's life, when you take on their energy, when you take on their misery and their problems and uh, their defeat. And if you are not prepared yourself, it's going to overwhelm me. And very quickly, uh, I was put in a situation where I was found lacking. I was found wanting. Um, I was shown very clearly that I wasn't prepared at that time to speak in the children's lives. You know, people tell oh, you just got to start. You just got to do it. You just got to do it. Dude, that sounds good if you don't really want no outcome. If wow. you just want to do something that's for you so you can feel good, then you right. step on in. That's like being a doctor. Oh, you're just going to quit after the third year. You just try it. Don't worry. You just want to do good. You're killing people, man. Wow. You know, you know. You got to learn the thing. You got to go through the process so you uh, expert so you can master it so that even if I don't have the answer, I know how now to guide him to the answer. To wow. have the resources built up around me to know the people. This is the reason why I network all the time, knowing multiple clinicians in multiple counties. Knowing people in different states and things, people that will do Zoom, too, you know, and keep branching out because this is real life. So if it ain't your life, don't just jump out. Wow. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. See, this is your point that you're making is the <laughs> point that I've been making for years is it's a lot of people out here that jump out here that want to sound good. They can rhyme when they when they doing the motivational speaking. They can, do, but they really ain't trying to help you. You know what I'm saying? That's that's their whole goal, and they might not even know they're not trying to help you. They might think that they are. They might think that their speech is good and all that. But like you said, if you're not really prepared to get in the trenches with these people and help them, sometimes that stuff just it just sounds good. It sounds good. You you know you you feel good about saying it. But are you really getting something out of? Are, are they really getting some out of it to help them? And that's you just made the point that I always make, and it's not just with kids; it's with grown people too. Because you know, again, there's some people out here, and there's some folks who think, but they're just sounding good. They they know how to, you know, they know how to, you know, make it sound good. They can, you know. So, but they're not trying to teach anybody anything. They're not trying to get it, and uh, it's a lot of that going on. And you just brought that to light. That's why I was saying, man, let me say this before I forget, because you, you know how you felt about that that kid. 
it's kind of like how I feel about folks who get on this call and the people I talk to. It's like that's why it sounds like I'm so, you know, some people say, you're so hard. You're so, well, you know, I want you to get it. Right? I'm not on here trying to tap dance and sing, you know, and make it sound good. You know what I'm saying? So, but go ahead, continue, man. But that, that what, what you just said is what I've been trying to get across. I'm just going to start on that a little more, and then we can take the questions. Um, you got to be fully invested. Uh, because, now, 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 don't get me wrong, there's multiple ways to serve. What I'm talking about is when you're talking about you're going to be a mentor, uh, you're going to counsel, whatever, you're going to share your story or whatnot, because you're going to get called on it. Somebody's going to want more. And I would say equip yourself to be able to mentor at the end of the day, no matter what you're doing. Because if you can't really mentor, if you can't duplicate your process, there's something lacking. It's a certain amount of selfishness there. That's why you invested. You want to see the good, that the growth that you've experienced be duplicated in those that you touch. And that's how it should be. And that takes hard work because it takes the responsibility of yourself. It takes time. It's like being a personal trainer. What if you showed up your personal trainer had a big ass stomach, was stuck out out of shape. I'm like, what the hell, man? He lose all credibility. How the right. hell did you lead me on the path? I was trying to go this way. You fall right. off this way. It's right. a conflict now. Because this is what right. you claim you do. This is what you have mastered. I'm paying you for time with you. And that payment ain't always money, whatever that payment is, because it's a balance. If I'm doing this in this hour, I can't do the other thing in this hour. You know? I'm thinking of sacrifice to spend this time with you to be around you at something that I see you rub off on me. So when I see you stop working and you're not growing and you bringing me stale bread, what is that? So it's a lot that goes into that. And this is not to commend myself at all. This is me preaching to myself. Like I said, I'm talking to myself. Y'all just have to be listening. Um, quite honestly, last week, when I told you I was working in the glue factory. I wasn't in the factory. It wasn't in the factory. Lord have mercy. That's in the factory was horrible. And I'm asking myself all last week, all last week, Louis, what are you doing? What are you doing? As I'm sitting here, what are you doing? I mean, I'm feeling like I'm back in prison. What are you doing? I'm producing nothing. The whole way it was set up was to completely strip you from your humanity because you're tied to this machine all day. With no human function. You can't even leave the machine to piss unless somebody tag you. You got to tag somebody in. So it's nothing about the work. The work wasn't even hard. This is the thing. The work was not hard. I've built the work ethic. I know how to work hard and have no problem with sweating, working hard, busting my knuckles towards something. The work was just mindless. It was what it did to you mentally and spiritually. It was like it took me back to prison. It was like being in the hole. But I had to tap back into Victor Frankel and take my mind certain places while I'm dealing with this factory, dealing with this plastic. So I'd always say, I said, I got to get out this fact. I got to do my own thing. This is a making no sense. It's sucking my time, my energy. I'm not producing nothing in the day. And I listened to you. It was either Wednesday, what was it, Friday morning, when you talk about the ham and the egg. Mm-hmm. Who committed who not, yeah. And that just really just took me. I said, you know what, I'm the, I got to be full committed. Because, and then just, if so happened, and you playing this interview, was the envy of some of my people thought I was crazy. I went up there to the camp. I was a star at the camp, a jail star, a jail superstar. I was the next one up, the next jail superstar at the camp, working for the man. And they begged me. I'm talking about, it was people giving me, listen, I can get you a job here. You don't have to go back in. 
I mean, they was like, they thought I was crazy. They said, why would you go backwards? Why are you going in? Why? Everybody's out here. You're, you're going to the pro board the next time. You go, and the guy, you know, you're stupid. You're going to lose your pro. You're going to go in there. They ain't nothing going. I had to go against the grain. I had to bet on myself. Because, see, if you ain't fully all in on yourself, you ain't going to never have no success. When I went back in, I could still ask questions. When I stopped asking everybody questions and asking everybody's permission, well, if you did it, would you do it like this? You do it. That man, hell. There's a brother I like on YouTube. He said, man, you can't be wrong, man. Everything you do because of experience. Shit, you're going to learn from it. If I flop, fuck it. I got to do it on my own time. I got I got to believe in myself. If I don't believe in myself, it ain't going to happen nowhere. You can't be half in. I'm the ham. I done made the full commitment. I'm on the plate. You know, so um, that's what it takes to mentor if you want to speak in people's lives. You want to be successful in any business. Think about mentoring. Think about how are you going. Realize the processes that you're going through to attain whatever it is you're attaining that you want to be able to help others. I don't care what you're doing. You ain't got to talk to kids. You ain't got to care about kids. You ain't got to talk to anybody's life. Everybody got their own path. You know, you might be a garbage man. I don't know what you might do. But be great at it and be able to teach the next person up. This is how we benefit. This is the legacy. Like in the, like in the Bible and stuff. That's why the shepherds would have a rise, and the rise would have a history on it. And they would go out with the, the young men, the young lads, as they shepherd and teach them the game. And not just the game of shepherding and the wisdom they would pass on, but the history of their family, the legacy, and the wisdom and the failures and the, the uh, victories they've had. And we've gone away from that. We so closed off, and we get our successes, and we just hold on to them, and they're empty. That's why you feel empty inside. The best way to help yourself is to help somebody else. God has made us like that. I guarantee you. Call me on that. There's nobody to tell me that you have fully invested in the pursuit of somebody else's benefit and it didn't make you feel good. I didn't say it was going to be fun. I didn't say it was going to be frustrating all the time. You're going to be frustrated and ain't going to have fun anyway. That's the adversities of life. But that's what's going to fulfill you. That's what's going to make you feel good. You're going to feel satisfied. That's what's going to give you that burning desire. Man, look, I, I just had this conversation last night with some people talking about, you know, I got this thing every Christmas where I do collect toys for kids and and uh, and, and give them to these parents that really need it. You know, uh, when I first started the first two years, I was didn't know what I was doing, and I was giving them to the parents that would take the toys back and, you know, smoke them up crack pipe or something mm -hmm. and now mm -hmm. i gotta kind of vet it to where it is and this is the first year i've done a fundraiser online and it has allowed me to actually reach more schools now i can reach eight different schools so far and i'm gonna do some more this week all the way up to thursday which is amazing because i got more money you know at first i did all i had was tours so now the people that were calling me but back to the point that you said feeling good man friday i was just i just it was just I felt good and I felt bad because, um, you know, I, some of the parents didn't want to be on video or pictures because they are ashamed of the situation they're in now. Uh, some people lost their, you know, jobs in COVID and now they don't want to. Uh, I mean, some parents didn't even want to come to the school, so I asked the counselor, could I drive to their house? And some of them said no, some of them said yeah, and I went to the house. I, I was driving around all all Friday, man, uh going all over Atlanta, going to people's homes, and and it felt good giving them these things and seeing the little kids because a lot of times I didn't even see the kids, just saw the parents. But I also mm -hmm. felt bad because I saw the situation that they're in. And um, mm -hmm. 
and they felt bad. They don't even want to be on camera. And I'm like, look, I'm just trying to show the people who donated the money where this stuff is going. So I wanted to put a picture out, but they was like, you know, they don't want to be on Facebook or Instagram seeing that they look like the situation they're in. And, I mean, it was crazy, but I, I, I still felt good that that we could do this and, and that kids could, uh, you know, since I've been talking to you on the phone, I mean, since I've been listening to this call this morning on the phone, I've gotten four text messages, no, four calls from people I hadn't talked to in a while that got my texts about the fundraising. I know they're calling me to see if it's a scam or not, which I, I'm glad they are. But I'm just letting them know because, see, I can reach more people with this technology thing. I was a caveman before this, Lou. I was just having people bring toys to the meeting, and I took right. it. That was it. So now, by being online, you can reach more people. I mean, this is crazy. Here, I, I, I can imagine next year how many people we can help. But, you know, the point that you said, when you feel good about something that you're doing, um, man, there's no better feeling than that. You know, there's no better feeling than to be able to, like one of the ladies that wouldn't let me come to her home, um, the counselor took the stuff over there, and uh, she looked at it, and I guess she thought, I don't know what she thought, but she saw it was a bunch of nice stuff. And uh, I got a bicycle here that's supposed to go, but I couldn't get it in the car, so I asked him could I bring it, and she didn't want me to. But after she saw the stuff, she told him that I can bring it by the house today, so I'm going to take it by our house today, which is, I don't know what she was thinking. I don't know, but, I mean, we got some real nice stuff for these kids and a lot, you know, for, you know, and gave them some cash to get them through the holidays. You know what I'm saying? Because some of these people are hurting real bad. But, I, I mean, the reason I'm bringing all that up is that I felt so good about doing it. And I, I don't think everybody feel good about that. I think some people just, they like saying it, you know, but I like doing it. You know what I'm saying? So that's a, that's a, that's a big difference there. But.